0: Welcome to the What's the Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corperew. What's good, revolutionaries? How are you? Like, literally, I'm asking you, how are you? These are troubling times that we're facing. These are new and evolving times every day that we are facing. And I wanna know how you're doing. And I want you to know that we here at What's Your Revolution are with you, that we are in this journey with you each and every day. And that if you need me, Charles Croper, Dr. Charles Croper, please reach out on any medium to say, look, brother, I need some help. I need somebody to talk to. I remember as this was all starting, I was walking down the street post Guardian Summit put on by Camelback Ventures, the organization that I work for. And I was walking down the street with two of my colleagues and this young brother walked up to me. And you know how we do. We'll, you know, when somebody new, somebody you don't know walks up to you, there's a little bit of like, whoa, wait a minute. Let me put my guard up. Like, I don't know you, but I don't want to disrespect this brother as well. So, yes, my guard is up. I think he's going to ask me for money. And I say quickly, because usually I do, I don't have any cash. And he looked at me. And he was like, I don't need your money. <laughs> I don't need your money. And the next thing out of his mouth shocked me it shocked me revolutionaries he said i just need somebody to talk to Mm -hmm. man i was stunned i was stunned revolutionaries he said i just need somebody to talk to so i spent about 20 minutes talking to this brother and he was telling me about he was going through divorce he was trying to feed his kids he had just come from work and he was struggling. He said, I'm hurting. I'm paying. My wife just, I just found out that my wife was cheating on me. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my kids. I'm hurting. And I've got nobody to talk to. So here he turned, he turned this situation to, I don't need your money, but I need something more important right now. I just need somebody to listen. And that's what's going on with us. We are all that young brother on that street that day. We just need somebody to listen and I found myself in that same predicament. I needed somebody to listen to me because I hadn't really been listening to myself. So you know what I did, revolutionaries, I called my person, I called my man, right? I called my dude, I called Mr. New Orleans, right? When it comes to mental health in New Orleans, I called Don Francis. Acclaimed mental health specialist here in New Orleans, who is putting his time and efforts to mentoring and giving the necessary therapy to our young men and women here in New Orleans who are struggling not only with COVID, but just being black and male and female in America. Tom Francis, welcome back to the What's a Revolution show. What's up, brother? How you doing?
1: What's happening, Charles? Dr. Cora Pugh. <laughs> so good to hear your voice, brother.
0: Man, it is always a pleasure, brother. You know, look, the world already knows what your revolution is, man. But has it changed in the last year, brother? You know, has has your revolution changed?
1: Mm, that's a great question. You know what it has? The the scope has tightened. The target has become more focused. And, you know, especially with COVID, what, what's happening now, I think what what's happening is we really are focusing on being more efficient and effective with less and really trying to get to a point where we are, as, especially as African-Americans, to focus on Underlying issues. So the conversation is forcing us to talk about the entire holistic approach from start to finish. And so, if anything, I'm talking to people in the grocery stores now. I'm talking in every arena that I enter. My social, I think, as a, our social conversations have changed, right? Where it's making our conversations more concentrated around our health. And so let's give you a real quick example of we have a cohort of married couples and we were at dinner. I asked the group, could we make a pledge that as opposed to doing birthday parties where we sit down and we eat a big juicy steak or we go to these places and overstimulate in alcohol and, you know, festivities, you know how we do in New Orleans.
0: Yes, we I do. Asked,
1: I asked the group to that we would look at doing some adding physical activities and things that were <laughs> More about surrendering to our health. And, and you know, as we're closing in on half a century, or some most of my group is over a half a century. Yeah, brother. How can we be healthy? And so my target is not just working a nine to five around mental health. And I, now I say health and wellness because it's it's your medical as well as the behavioral side. So the physiology and ecology as well as your overall development. So that's that's how I've closed the gap and really looking at both sides in a marriage and how we live every day.
0: You know, I, I love to hear that, brother, because there are a couple of things that stand out in your statement. One half a century, <laughs> you know that. that All right,
1: Doctor Corpius.
0: Yeah, no, 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 brother. Look, my look. What is the day? Today is the twenty In twenty one days, I'll be forty nine. So that means in one year and twenty one days, I'll be fifty. And so I think about you know my health and taking care of myself. They talk about oh, you're always taking care of yourself. You're always working out. It's it's hard, right, at our age, brother. But it's something that we need to do every day and i remember a couple weeks ago we caught up in the park just you know and it's always it's always a blessing to see you i mean always a blessing but just to see you and your wife out there you know and, and your family working out and i said like, you know i was like don have you lost some weight? he's like yeah yeah brother i've been i've been really taking care of myself so i love that you employ your people to think through not only how can we you know go out and celebrate. How do we innovate the celebrations, right? Knowing that Mm -hmm. the the disparities that we're seeing in our communities, Don, are -hmm. one of the reasons why we're dying disproportionately from COVID. And I know, you know, I I will never forget this, right? It it stays with me. It stays with me, how you describe Dr. Zoe. Mm -hmm. And do you remember that? Do you remember that statement, brother? Because I mean- Go ahead, brother. Brother, you said that she helps you put on the full armor, your full brigade. To take take on the world. And that
1: stays with me. Hey, man, and and, and my wife, and you know, and that's, that's, everybody got to have that support person, man, that that drives you, whether it's, you know, male, female, your blood, or just somebody who you consider a spiritual warrior for you to drive you toward excellence. Because I tell you, man, there's some days, and I'm a diabetic as well. I, Mm. I want that, I want that cheesecake. I want, you know, something. She's really a part of you know, really keeping me helping me stay healthy. And so it's a it's a struggle every day with, you know, sugar and in our culture. And I'm in that fight too. But I think just being conscious of it. And so she is my armor. And you know, when it's spiritual, it's metaphysical, it's just the exchange and how we walk. And that's what I love about her. And you know, brothers, I think it's important, whoever your partner is, you know, is is when you look at somebody, you know, externally, Is great, right? But it's those internal measures that dipstick. That's what's going to be the things to keep you together on that longitudinal, like you know, it's like spatial relational. It's like
0: yes, yes.
1: Finding as one, Pastor Henderson, Fred Henderson. He always talk about. My me and my partner, we are one, we as one. And so, you know, the great Eddie Robinson who was the coach of Grambling University, him and his wife were married for over, believe over fifty years. And I bring them up because he said when he loses his wife, he don't want to live long. Mm. And I, that was a powerful statement, man. Yes, I, it is. That's my life. And and I'm starting to learn, hopefully I can, you know, learn from Coach Robinson and have that type of time with my wife, my partner. I look forward to that.
0: Yeah, you need that. And what does the research say, Don, is that people who are in, who are coupled, whether they've been married or long-term partners, Mm -hmm. are are happier people, right? Mm -hmm. And that their marriage or their coupling, right, is based on trust, love, communication, and seeing each other as your partner. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so many people are going through this period of time alone,
1: done yes social distancing
0: You're right social distancing and we think about this from a mental health perspective right mm-hmm. come on i'm an only child right so community means everything to me and sure. You know, one of my friends, Morgan posted, she was like, you know, uh, how you only children doing out there, through right? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> right. And this she put how you extroverts doing out there with social distancing.
1: Yeah. But it,
0: right. The research talks about that. We need hugs. We need love. That's right. We need touch. Right? right? You think about Harlow's monkeys. Right. Going all the way back to science. Right. Those monkeys that were put aside and didn't have. Touch didn't have the blankets, right? right. Or the, were right. Mal, maladjusted, right? You know? But those monkeys who had the blankets and had touch were the ones that actually were doing well. So we are struggling, you know, right. when it comes to social distancing, but it's also a way for us to innovate. We still need to be able to pick up the phone and talk to that's our right. families, right? That's we need to be able to get on Zoom and see our family and our friends, right. yeah. That's so right. We just need to do that, but it, it's tough. And, you know, the reason why revolutionaries, why I called on is that. Let me give you a little backstory. I've Been working really hard at Camelback, putting on our virtual summit. We were supposed to be in New York last week, but with COVID, we had to shift everything to a virtual summit. I was waking up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, tense, you know, this intense feeling, mind ruminating on everything. Waking up, you know, again, tense, tight, irritable, angry. Nobody could tell me anything. If you did, it set me off. I met some new friends and one of my new friends, Candace, said to me, she was like, Charles, every time I talk to you, it seems like you're angry, right? Mm-hmm. You've got this level of fierceness with you that anything that I say to you is like you're just jumping down my throat. She's like, I don't even know if I want to be friends with you right now. Wow. And I was like, wow, Don, I was like, whoa. But it, it, it took a moment, right? It took a moment. So on the flip side, I was like, well, let me think about, I've heard all of this language about biohacking, right? Hacking your body. And so I started taking this amino acid called L-theanine revolutionaries. And then it hit me because it made me calm. It really forced me. Like I could see the difference in my body revolutionaries that I was calm. My mind was sharper. And then I realized, Don, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, damn, how did I miss this? I'm the psychologist. I'm the Tulane trained psychologist. How did I miss this? You've been dealing with anxiety for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Don. Don, I was like, all of the signs were there and I missed it. How do we miss it, Don? How do men like us miss oh, something like this?
1: Oh, man. Listen, we, me and you need to look at doing a study, man. And I was, you made me really, our last conversation made me really start reflecting on this. And so, a couple of things I want to share with you real quick. So based on the National Alliance of Mental Health, I went back and did a little research. And first of all, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And we already know this doc, but it's just reiterating it because the data doesn't lie. And so the cultural bias against just mental health in our community, number one. And so to really dive in or delve in where, you know, I'm the patient, right? When I'm, I'm talking about myself, right? Or even the misdiagnosis, better yet, you know? And so there's only 2% of psychologists, you know this, not African-Americans. I mean, it, yeah. we, we just make up such a small percent. And so we tend to rely on, you know, more communal efforts, you know, family and, you know, our churches and our social organizations, uh, our small network. And so I think to to be able to reflect at this time as things have slowed down around the country, to spend that time talking about African-Americans and our socioeconomic, you know, as well as our medical, the impact of this COVID-19, that the conversation we're not comfortable with having. And so to say that all these underlying issues are pointing at our culture, African-Americans who have been totally impacted about it, I'm not surprised, you know? And so I go, why am I feeling guilty about talking about my struggles or my vulnerabilities. Why am I afraid and not willing to advocate just like if it was Susan B. Coleman around cancer with the pink ribbons? I should be as an African-American male excited about talking about ways to improve our overall health and, in wellness trail, being trailblazers in our field, so Charles, I think it's a deeper discussion about our psychology, about as African American men getting help, but also talking about our vulnerabilities in wanting to get better. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's it's paramount. It is paramount in wanting to get better, as well as it's just as incredible to be able to recognize mm. what's going on. And I think that's what it was. I, I you know I was stunned, Don, because I was like. Mm-hmm. I missed all the signs. Yeah, like like this, this too shall pass. Like I'm used to. I'm. I'm. Look, I've been anxious for so long. I'm used to waking up in the middle of the night and ruminating for hours at a time. It became. It becomes normal, right? And so we're like, this must just be old age, right? you mm. know and this angst that i'm feeling that doesn't go away or mm. you know me being a sh- little short with my coworkers like mm. this too shall pass no no all it does is begin to intensify
1: mm. because
0: the anxiety that we feel i can't see my parents i can't hang out with my boys right i can't go on a date <laughs> right right you know all right. these different things like i'm i'm worried there's a level of worry am i still going to have a job next week right right all the things that happen right that that make us you know like whole and normal are just not there and brother, that's what happens to us bro
1: brother if if i could just share one thing with you if nothing else and it's so powerful that we having this discussion man we're going to have to do a Part two and the part three, <laughs> I challenge you to come back. Because li- listen to this, just in me following up on your research of our conversation, over the past 15 years, the percentage of suicide for African-American men has went up over 233%. It's like, are wow. we really having a conversation about me and you, brother? And so that's why this is powerful that you have given us this springboard to really talk about African men's health yes. and our physiology. and and development. And so Mm -hmm. I feel safe in having this conversation. And I think that we need to bring it back in almost a form where we Have brothers have a conversation about this. Because I know our group over 40 in New Orleans, man, like you're talking about anxiety and suicide and depression. There's some brothers who really need some help and sisters. Yes. Bring our kings together and really lay it out so we can have the discussion in a safe, nurturing environment.
0: Yeah. No, I I definitely agree. I got to give a shout out to my homegirl, Kalala Collins, who is the lead for the Making Connections group out of St. Rock. Kalala, you know, Kalala. And yeah, yeah, you know, one thing that we have done there with that group is we started a a men's mental health group. And, you know, before COVID, before we had to have a a Zoom call, we would get together at Back of Town and get a shout out to my homeboy, Alonzo Knox, the entrepreneur that started Back of Town and and really brings together a a wonderful group of people from all across the city to come have coffee. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And And a pastry. My man, Alonzo Knox. But we were able to get together on Tuesdays and, and to have a wide variety of men come through to talk about, you know, say, bruh, you good? Mm. Mm. You know, I had to put a little New Orleans into it because mm. there, there are a lot of, you know, my boy, Philip Roundtree out of Philly, he has a group called You Good, Bruh. And I was like, we need to put a little New Orleans spin on it, bruh. You know what I'm Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, bruh, you <laughs> good? <laughs> But, you know, just listening to the conversations that we don't have these spaces like on a regular basis to talk, to say I'm anxious mm-hmm. or I'm depressed or this is what I'm going through right now. I'm lonely. Right. Don, that's a powerful thing for a man to say. I'm lonely.
1: Yeah. It's almost taboo. Right. Don, why is it?
0: So why do you think, you know, when we're having these feelings of loneliness and depression and anxiety that we. Don't talk about them that we don't open up about them.
1: Well, it's a two-fold answer for me as being African American. I think what, and this is what you have done well, Doctor Corpio. And I think our leaders are getting hip or more current to that we have to have more practitioners in the field. Tell the story, like, brother.
0: Yes, that look like
1: the the population that we're serving. And so I, I really think you know having this organic process around developing practitioners in your own backyard, like you said, say, bro, you know, that I would be curious to attend something like that. Yeah. You know, where the language fits me, where the people look like me and uh, they understand, you know, what my culture and historical trauma looks like. So the, the piece that I could say that we're trying to work on currently is using a holistic approach that bringing practitioners and providers and vendors to the table who are from the community doing the work on the front lines. And so the rarity is bringing that culture to it. You gotta bring the culture to the table. It just can't be a medical model. And so I think <laughs> that's the conversation where you know culturally responsive people need to be present and also have that clinical development. So it's, it's twofold for me. It's right. making it welcoming and engaging, and not just the medical model, and also just the accessibility. And so we started to look at things around providing transportation, providing hot meals. There's a program out of Detroit, a hospital in Detroit now, that that, that really brings culture into the mix of the medical model. And so I could get you that information. I can't recall the hospital. And so I'm really excited about, you know, medical places that are, are serving People of color, specifically men of color, are looking at harm reduction, but through a cultural lens.
0: Right, right. That's so key, because I think one thing we forget is that we are holistic people, Mm. right? We are Mm. physiological people. We are psychological people. We are spiritual Mm. people, right? Mm -hmm. We are emotional people, all of these things. And when taking care of us, Mm -hmm. we have to think about what is the holistic manner that is going to allow us to be healthy? Right. So my anxiety wasn't about everything that was going on in my life. But to to quell it, it just wasn't about me taking the amino acid. It was me recognizing what I needed. Right. One. Right. Let me acknowledge that I'm going through this. Now, what do I need to bring Into my life. So let me have some face to face, some FaceTime with my mother and father. Let me get on Zoom with my best friends and do a, a happy hour where somebody's making a cocktail or a dinner. We're doing these things together. Let me go out to the park, Don, this vast park of greenery that is one of the largest parks in the country where I can still canvas you know i can still canvas a little bit with people i can still six feet right but i can still laugh and take in the sun and get some vitamin d which we also know is good for our mental health brother Mm -hmm. and so we have to be able to put some things in place put some things in place that are going to help us heal what else do you think we need to do man from a mental health perspective that are going to help us deal with this ongoing trauma i mean ongoing trauma that we're going to face right because life is not going to be normal anytime Mm -hmm. soon?
1: Well, you know, I I think definitely keeping the community at the table as the round table for the discussion as the development of, you know, COVID-19 is really going to impact a lot of areas, I think, how we just do business from a mental health and a medical standpoint. And so I think we really need to do a better job at how we engage our clients and serve our community. And so making sure that they are present. I just did a partnership, I left a partnership with Children's Hospital. And one thing I can say is that even Children's Hospital understood the importance of bringing diversity to the table and serving all communities. And so including, you know, children who may be coming from impoverished backgrounds and families. And so I think getting in front of this thing, screening at earlier ages, and just our whole screening process right now, this COVID thing, where is the entry points for where we're going to do that? And so how we support people through treatment and beyond, and so that it becomes a quarterly thing that, you know, to follow up, just like if you will go to your, your dentist, if, if things are severe, you know, you may want to go to your dentist every 90 days. And so mm-hmm. I think as opposed to going every six months, I think, you know, you'll see, Practitioners and doctors, them trying to build a more intimate relationship with clients, our babies, our kids. I think that intimate relationship with your primary care provider is really going to be key. And you know, if African Americans are communal people, and so yes, we are to have the same doctor that you know your mom had, or you know when you was born, and all the way until you're 18. It's kind of almost unrealistic today. And so, getting back to that family practitioner model where hey everybody know Mr. Bob he served you know he worked with your grandmother, your grandfather, your mama, and now you. And so just really trying to build those relationships with your primary care providers. I mean, real. Like almost, almost like we used to do back in the days when with these clinics, I think we have an opportunity to do that in New Orleans, there's also a physician shortage. And right. so I don't know if you how much you know about that, but I think when we get we get great doctors, like Dr. Corey Bear. he's really doing a good job. He is doing,
0: doing his thing, brother, let me tell
1: you. And so, and so here's the question, watch this. When do we actually start to groom the next five to 10 Corey A. Bears. And yes. so the time is now. And so they're in the community. You know, we need to be at the Xavier Universities. We need to be at the Tulane's. And looking for those young brothers and developing an opportunity, internships and externships to bring them in and say, hey, we want to secure you here over the next, you know, five to seven years. And, and this is where you'll be employed. Because with those people, those young brilliant minds end up going to Baltimore and D.C. and we lose. I remember one of the psychiatrists that was under, she was under Dr. A. Bear and she moved to Africa. Africa. And so I was just so sad she would have been such a blessing to the to the market. And so how do we secure people who will be a part of the foundation? If you remember, you got to think, we're in Young City again. New Orleans was, we went from 1.5 million to less than five hundred thousand people in this city. And so we have to recreate ourselves around treatment and health and wellness. You know, we're talking about over a trillion dollar industry. And so we can build it right here, but we have to maintain those people like the doctor corpus of the future. So How do we groom the next Dr. Abern and Corp? You, I'm, I'm looking forward to us developing that formula, Charles.
0: Man, when well, we talk about Dr. Abra, Dr. Corporal, and Don Francis, let me tell you, brother. Look, you know, that's the thing. It takes a cadre. It takes an army. It takes a brigade, dear brother, to do all this work. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple things stand out in what you're saying. Like, you said that we have to groom the next, right? The mm-hmm. next, those mm-hmm. who are coming behind us. But particularly in the mental health field, mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. is so important. And mm-hmm. what you've said is so dynamic in a manner that if we bring and cultivate, right, and grow water, pour into mm-hmm. the next generation of practitioners, clinicians, right, to understand, hey, Dr. Korpru, I think you're dealing with anxiety right now. This is how you need to cope with it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's someone who looks like me because mm-hmm. I can see it in you, right? But you should be also be able to see it in me and Correct. me being able to trust To trust, Mm -hmm. to trust, you know, I haven't given my therapist a call, Al Sidholm, who is a Middle Eastern man, but I trust him, right? He understands my trauma. He understands Mm -hmm. the the inner trappings of what it means to be a man of color. Mm -hmm. And I love that. But if we were to go out and look, right, and to look for someone that looks like us, that may understand it, it is very, very hard to find that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm
1: -hmm. And I'm not
0: saying that our white brothers and sisters, right, can't do the work. Right. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that every everyone that looks like us can do the work. We all need to figure out what empathy and wokeness looks like so we can show up. Correct. Right? So we can show up. But I, I love the way you said that. And then moving it into the medical field. You know, who is the next Dr. Corey Bear, right? Because mm-hmm. we want that mantra. We don't want Corey to have to carry the burden. A big shout <laughs> out to Dr. Eric Griggs as well.
1: Oh, um, shout out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly.
0: And so there are medical professionals all over the country. But what Corey has done, Don, is that he has built a brand around his knowledge and the the willingness of the people to hear his voice. He's trusted. He's the trusted person right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what we need, brother. That is definitely what we need. Don, you know, as we move forward a little bit in thinking through the power of community how do we bring people together around right understanding that it's going to be the community that brings us back together when things are lifted how do we empower ourselves to come together as a community all across the country to heal ourselves post covid
1: mm, that's a dissertation brother you you, <laughs> you you are coming with it tonight i am that that question we we It's rhetorical of a lifetime, really. But I've been watching the health department of Louisiana and New Orleans. Shout out to Dr. Agnew doing a lot of great work. This is really going to be a conscious effort of, I think is a a marker in time on how we not only develop treatment models, but how we find entry points and, and, and maneuver through this. And so, man, that question is something that we're going to have to do a better job of, of, of testing. We're going to have to really, look, I think, really improve our policy. And I think we got to really take a step back and really bring the community to the table because, oh, my dog, that's my hey, dog. It's real life. life. <laughs> it's real life.
0: It's real life, man. I hear Dr. Zoe must be cooking in the background a little yeah,
1: bit. Yeah, yeah. she work, She's still on her computer. So this house, we, we never shut up. Yeah. We're working more hours. I think we're 12 to 14 hours a night. Yeah,
0: you're right. You're exactly right. I did my time the other day, and I watched my time over a week. And I was spending 14, 15 hours a day on the computer. I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I don't work like this when <laughs> in real life.
1: Yeah, in real life, right. We they're getting a good deal a lot of Oh, me. yeah,
0: We're they're getting a chunk. they getting a lot of chunk from us, bro. Let me tell you. They're,
1: they're getting our Sundays. But to wrap it up to to close on that question for me has really been about how do we really change the system because COVID is not done with us. And so I think There's a lot of determining factors. And I made up a statement, and you can use this, and I I want you (laughs) to-
0: Appreciate that, brother.
1: I'm going to tell you what my philosophy is right now. It's called medicine over moolah. What's happening, there's a split in this country. And so the entrepreneurial spirit of capitalism is ready to battle our health, brother. And so some people, unfortunately, are going to die because we're not getting enough information or data. And so with the phase two of COVID, my fear is that it's going to continue because we haven't taken the precautions. And so I have a brother of mine who lives in the Middle East and he called me maybe 10 days before it hit the United States. And he said, brother, there's something that may be coming you guys' way. He said the entire airport of Japan is shut down. There isn't school in session. And so, you know, it's a real conversation. It's not about the capitalism. It's about are we safe? And so, you know, having a real conversation outside of politics is, I think, it's going to be really critical to our survival as opposed to thriving, you know, right. in the country. And so this is to be continued. I'm following Dr. Fauci and, yes. and a other people yes. really closely. And so they're having to make some decisions that, uh, unfortunately, they teeter on the line of politics and, and then medical, because if you lead with the medical... Um, we would really slow down and we would let the numbers drive our movement. And so on um, the governor out of New York, Cuomo, I've been watching him a lot and I like, he's trying really difficult and what, you know, the numbers in New York, that population. Yes. You know, yes. Really difficult to control. I think our numbers are dropping, but we still aren't low enough to open the city. So shout out to Mayor Cantrell for really yes, trying to pick yes. her guns. And so, and also the mayor of Atlanta, well, you know, Governor Klein has wanted to open the city up. So Just man, just really. I think the treatment model really is going to have to take a step back and really look at this. This thing is really going to change how we do business. We're going to need innovative people and do some things innovative because also our resources we got to be real honest about it. Our resources we don't have 80,000 ventilators. You know, that was, I remember the first report I read, it said New York City needed 30,000 ventilators, and they, I think, they received 800 in the first phase of it. And so this is real, right. Uh Yeah, so yeah. so yeah, to be continued, man. we're gonna talk about this on our phase two. This yeah, how yeah, no doubt.
0: It's you know, community is gonna be interesting how we come back and how we, you know, especially for communal communities. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That you know, we go to church, we go to family reunion, right? Mm-hmm. We sit on the bayou as Maurice souls and I. We we get in these streets here in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And this. Those streets look a little different in every place across the country, but we still get in these streets. We love our music. We love our food, right? Mm -hmm. We love sitting in the backyard drinking a a cocktail, as we say here. You know (laughs) a cocktail here in the Waldens, right? But I'm hoping that we can find some way to bring back community because that is a part of our mental health. When we can we can congregate with You know, as, as the brothers say, we can fraternize mm-hmm. with, with each other. And mm-hmm. that brings a sense of well-being. You know, the research talks about as we get older, those who have better mental health are those that have the greatest level of community. Mm. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying to, the, praying to our father and whoever you, whoever you follow, that he will guide us in this time, that he will give us peace and grace and allow for us to find a community Will allow us to be brave and to be bold and to be happy in our spaces, dear brother. Look, our time is running short, Don, and I always love this time. What are you doing? I have to ask this question: What are you doing now personally to take care of yourself and your family during this time?
1: Well, you know, you named a couple of the things earlier i I'll share with you what's been great to our house as like you saw us at the park we was trying to stay consistent with at least two to three days a week, of some type of physical activity as a family. And so that, that's been really fun to just spend some time and watch the kids, you know, run around. I, I think it reminds me of my childhood in the 80s. And so just to be more active is one, as a family and coming together, I can't lie, COVID has actually brought us closer to, you know, the, the old school days of, Sitting down and having a meal at 6 p.m., they almost were gone. And so they made us come back to the table to our traditions that really were important. And so having those times to just listen to the kids or just sit at the table as one unit and also prayer. We, we as a family, so we do Zoom and with our community, the married couples come together and share Bible verses over Zoom. And that's been that's been really uh, powerful for us. And so, and also. Uh, my mom, you know, we have another prayer group. And so it's just been really, you know, black black people, communal people, spiritual people. That that part has been really going well to bring that back. And so right. I've enjoyed just listening to my elders, which my mom is now one of the elders in my family. I can't believe it, it. So we uh, share a Bible verse every morning and mm. pray at night. And so that's been good. And, and even me and my wife spending, just spending time together. Yes. You know, I, think, I think what you saw when you saw us out in the park was something that you know we had got away from because you know you're always working. You know, Zoe's a, uh, she has a, you know, she's a CO at IOS and so she's working a lot of hours and a lot of time. I'm working, you know, as a director of a substance abuse clinic and so your world can you can get caught up in the world and so one thing COVID-19 did was slow us down to become or go back to re-examining the things around them, what our ancestors did and what our community can do, and yeah. as well as use technology to enhance and still maintain our relationship. Because even though we're doing social distancing, I think what you want to prepare against is social isolation as well.
0: There you go. That's, that's it. That is it. Yes. That, you're right. I think that it, it, in some respects, personally, it has slowed us down. COVID has slowed us down mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. made us reflect on how we build and sustain relationships. Right. I think it's also stressed us out because we are working harder. At least mm-hmm. I know I am and I know you yeah. are working longer. You can spend the time you don't get up from the computer and I realize <laughs> I've been here all day long. Yeah. I haven't I haven't gone outside. I haven't breathed the fresh air. I haven't eaten. I had for the first couple of weeks of this down. I wasn't eating. Wow. I was working. And I realized, like, what did I eat all day? I realized nothing. I had eaten wow. nut, nuts and a couple tangerines.
1: Oh, and so, man, be good to yourself, man. I know, brother.
0: <laughs> I know. So I, I slow down, right? Oops. Slow down. Look, before we close out, you said something that really sparked something in me. I know a lot of people are self-medicating through this. Yes, mm,
1: yes, yes. You yes. know,
0: talk yes. about that for a moment and and, and some of the the poor choices that we can make as we self-medicate through anxiety and depression and isolation and how we get past that. How do we get past those poor self-medication tactics?
1: So, you know, I'll just share with you. So the synthetic opioid population for African-Americans and nationally is, is really growing at a faster rate than any other drug, which I was really surprised about. And so as well as this marijuana, the synthetic marijuana, people are really harming, doing a lot of self harm to themselves. And the accessibility to that almost appears more easy than getting the jump rope. <laughs> and so, the thing that I try to talk to, we have uh, support groups that were really a place for people who struggle with addiction, substance use disorders, I should say, to really just get some time to get some information around. The stuff that we mentioned earlier around underlying issues of what kind of impact am I having on my body? And so, how is the toxic stress impacting my body? And so, if nothing else, just to get the information of some different ways to relax, and, and we do meditation, we, we call it going to the Caribbean. <laughs> so we, we would take a flag screen and, and just basically show the ocean, and, and it's, it's my voice or, or no auditory at all. But um, it's about placing your emotions in a treasure box and then watching them sail away. I
0: like that. I love and so, that.
1: And so that's a, a exercise we do often. And then you know, just realigning your breathing around a four point scale. And so you would be amazed with oxygen to the brain if you can just stop talking and inhale and exhale. And yeah and I think we've started at a, these are a group of men who are over the age of 40 and up to in their 60s and so they they are practicing getting up to a seven or eight point breathing module so learning how to uh-huh. inhale and exhale and so it's been powerful to watch these brothers do this and so we we bring in candles and classical music and the brothers are, are really embracing just something different and I say, if nothing else, we just want to slow our heart rate
0: down. Yeah, that's and, it. Man. And
1: provide and provide a sacred place, and so we have been able to do that. And so that's uh, the goal for those classrooms to look at substance abuse not as you know something bad, but as addiction, as disease. And so the language has to change. And so we've really, really tried to talk about the language that we use, you know, and uh, you know, as opposed to dirty language, you're just saying. Yeah. Is the information so you can understand it. and so we can get to? If you had asthma, we would give you an asthma pump. And so, you know, if there's something around addiction and, and dopamine is really what we try to get to, let's talk about how we can exercise, how we can walk. We take walks. Um, these are brothers who, some of these brothers are homeless. Right. One of the things that they would say is, you know, oh man, how you want me to relax and I'm homeless. And so when they come to us is to feel safe
0: Yeah, we need and that. not
1: have the amygdala, you know, and the startle, the freeze and fighting. So to teach these yeah. brothers about relax. their frontal lobe. Yeah. And so just as simple as me rubbing my frontal lobe, you know, rubbing my prefrontal cortex and, and taking Slowing time to work on hello. And so we, we, we do these things uh, repetitiously. And these are some brothers who have served. Uh, I have one brother who served over twenty years, and you know, some, for some violent crimes. And they've sat down, and now they look forward to candles being lit and listening
0: yeah, to classical
1: movie, music, and, and, and taking time for themselves. But and they have also became. Let me say this: the vanguards of creating safe space. And oh so, wow, the vanguard!
0: Look at your word, bro.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, it's it's when you give. People, the tools to relax. You say, "Hey, I need you guys to honor this space and own it because it's going to be your only safe place." You have, yeah. And you no, have I three don't. hours, yeah, and so I they go. That. Oh my goodness! So they clean it, and this morning, these brothers have had. We've had mornings where these brothers have had mint tea, you know, and listen to classical music. Oh, and stuff. I love
0: that. That's how you that's do it, brother. No, that's
1: it, the it, alternative. So, yeah. so sorry.
0: No, no, no. I appreciate it. You know, thinking about addiction and. and Addiction can be heightened during this time as you deal with mm. the stress, right? I smell a lot of, of of God's greenery when I go to the park, <laughs> brother. Lin, let me tell you, you know. But Don, yeah. I look, brother, I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you uh, your ability to speak through this from a very candid and, and upfront lens. You know, you're my guy. You're my go-to person, and I love just being able to, to chop it up with one of my good friends. You know, we've known each other for a long time and have tremendous, tremendous respect for you as a man, you as a husband, you as a community leader, and what you're doing with our young brothers and sisters. you know Thank you so much. Tremendous Tremendous gratitude for who you are and what you do. And so I look forward to having you back and for my revolutionaries out there. We will get through this time, right? This too shall pass. I ask that you love on your families, love on your friends, reach out to the people that you haven't seen or heard from, check on them. And as we say at the ending of every show, I want you to think about how do you answer the most thought-provoking question of your life? What's your revolution, everyone? Take care. Have a safe and beautiful and loving week, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Peace.